Well, hi there, listeners, and welcome back to our latest full-length episode here on Views in the Crow's Nest by Fisher Jordan. If you are a first-time listener here on Views from the Crow's Nest, this is a podcast where we usually talk about current or emerging trends in finance, technology, data science, and various other domains of the business sector. But we do occasionally deviate from that a little bit and talk about some of the specific things that Fisher Jordan is involved in. And today is actually going to be an example of one of those sorts of episodes, a special kind of episode that I am excited to welcome you today. We've talked about the problem of food insecurity on this podcast before, and Fisher Jordan's FAIR initiative, which stands for Food Availability Improvement Resource and is our primary avenue for giving back to the communities where we operate. With FAIR, we've partnered with over a dozen volunteer-run nonprofit food pantries and food banks in the U.S., India, and Israel, providing them with crucial food items directly to help provide food for those in need in a way that maximizes the impact of every dollar spent. Over the past year and a half, Fisher Jordan's work with FAIR has delivered over 50 tons of food items to these partners, and we're only going to continue. In today's episode, like I said, we're doing something a little bit different. Just to help bring some more clarity to the situation on the ground within the FAIR initiative, we invited all of our U.S. partners to a roundtable discussion of how they're responding to three major problem areas for the nonprofit food availability sector. We talk about how they're addressing the increasing demand for healthier food options, client relationships and needs as we continue to feel the effects and after effects of the COVID pandemic and collaborations they're either considering or would benefit from to lower cost and increase product offerings. You can find out more about every organization represented in this episode from links in the show notes or from our website fisherjordan.com slash communities. This conversation has been lightly edited for the sake of brevity and clarity. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Use in the Crow's Nest. Now let's get to the conversation. Welcome to all of you uh, to this uh, roundtable discussion for our, our U.S. FAIR partners. Before we uh, kick off the discussion, I just want to give everybody the opportunity to just introduce themselves. Just say your name and uh, which organization you're with as well, just so we can put those together. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name's Warren Hammonds. I'm the executive director of the Colonial Heights Food Pantry, which is in Colonial Heights, Virginia. And Colonial Heights, Virginia is about uh, 20 or so miles south of Richmond, Virginia. Great to be here with you all. Yes. Hi, Helen Osborne, Senatus. I'm the director of operations here at the River Food Pantry in Madison, Wisconsin. Really excited to, to be part of the conversation. Okay. I am Rhonda Adams. I'm the executive director here at the River Food Pantry, um, busiest food pantry in South Central Wisconsin, serving uh, Dane County, which does uh, include the big portion of it is uh, is Madison. Yeah, my name is David Crawford. I'm the director of food service for AJS Harvest. Uh, we've been here since 1983. We've been serving daily since 1991. We serve hot meal daily. And thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And AJS Harvest is in Chicago, Chicago, right? Yes. Very good. And Elizabeth? Well, thank you for the invitation. I'm really excited to be a part of this. I am the executive director here at North County Community Food Bank, and we are located about 18, 20 miles north of Portland, Oregon, and we serve all of Clark County, Washington. Hi, uh, Mike Lutz. I'm with Broomfield Fish. We're um, here in Broomfield, Colorado, tucked between Denver and Boulder. Great to be here. Thank you, everybody. Thanks a lot, everybody. And also joining me uh, as as 
often happens on on these episodes. We've got Boaz Salik, founder of Fisher Jordan, and we also have Deba Goyle joining us to be a part of this discussion. So um, thanks for the preamble, folks. We have three broad topics that we're gonna we're gonna cover today. The objective here in bringing everybody together is every organization has its own point of view, areas of expertise that we're hoping to share with one another and within the broader food availability community. You're doing work of a similar nature, so we're hoping that we can maybe uh, see what everybody's been struggling with, succeeding with, and help each other out with some of these topics. Uh, Elizabeth, maybe you'd like to kick us off here. We are seeing uh, an increased need in uh, families that have never had to ask for help before. And I, I project that to continue with the economic situation that we're in. Um, and it's probably hard to tell uh, how deep of an impact that will have as mortgage rates and everything else continue to rise. I think we continue to see difficulties uh, with the uh, distribution of foods and the availability of certain foods that we usually have um, access to. And I, I would project that also to continue until things get stabilized and who knows when that will happen. But I think that forces all of us to be a little bit more creative in what we do and how we go about backfilling those, those spots. And um, in our case, we've reached out to um, wholesale food providers that work with the area restaurants and um, created a little more of a broader partnership with those entities where um, they are able to give us some of the pro fresh produce that uh, they can't get to the restaurants is starting to decline, but still very good quality. Um, so, you know, just, just trying to reach out and make those partnerships with others that perhaps we have overlooked in the past. I'll chime in uh, specifically just on the first bucket that you mentioned, and that's the, what, the increasing demands for healthy food. I think where we've seen um, most of the decline or where, where it has presented a more struggle for us over the last year and a half is the unpredictability of our donations. Uh, we have a pretty good community donations base. We're partnered with Feeding America, so we are fortunate to have access to grocers five in this area that we pick up from. But over time and month by month, it's very unpredictable, much more so than it used to be. So that may leave us with uh, a shortage of meat for a couple of weeks, not without any meats, but a shortage of what we would consider meats or our dry goods donations have gone way down. We also saw that uh, immediately when COVID hit because so many places shut down like so many of our faith-based communities donate around the clock for us uh, during all times of the year. And when they aren't meeting, they weren't coming to uh, give the give all those donations so that we would give them. So we had to work out a little bit more of a creative way to get those foods, either by us picking up or assigning volunteers, new volunteers that would go get those kinds of foods. So um, healthy foods have been mainly a problem for us because of the unpredictability, even at the food bank level, of the variety that we once saw in all the produce that we would get from our food bank provider. Um, those are not as sure bets now. And so funders and uh, partners 
such as Fisher Jordan uh, have come to the table and secured some of those healthy products for us that we no longer get regularly. And here at the river, um, focusing on the, the first bucket that you brought up, the increasing demand for healthy food, um, we tried to share more information, you know, one, in, in, include more fresh produce in all of our um, programs for our groceries, as well as prepared meals on site and mobile meals that we deliver throughout neighborhoods. Um, so including more produce and having a really good variety of produce and setting up almost like a farmer's market. Um, and what one of our, our staff uh, suggested and we did, which is really exciting, is uh, we put together a little info, um, a little in like, I think it was 45 to 50 informational cards just with uh, produce, you know, different different produce and how to prepare it, how to store it, um, how to know when to eat it, you know, when is it ripe. Um, and so that's something that we offer folks when they're here, when they're a new new household coming for the first time. One difficulty, you know, that, that we're still navigating through is prior to the pandemic, we were 100% choice. And so folks would come in, get their shopping cart and pick everything off the shelves themselves. And then all of a sudden we switched to a drive-through pantry and pre-packed. Um, we have now we're kind of a hybrid model of some pre-packed, some uh, choice options on a menu. Um, but since we're still drive-through, it's hard to offer, you know, 80 pounds of groceries to 600 households a week. That's 100% choice. Um, we would block all the roads around us if we did that. Um, so what we've tried to do is incorporate other, other, parts of our, our groceries to ensure that we're meeting as many needs as we possibly can. And so having a, a diabetes friendly box, having gluten free boxes um, and informing people to make sure that they know that they're there. But again, uh, you know, those are all products that like you were saying, uh, it's it's hit or miss with donation. Luckily, we have a good amount of donations coming in still, but we can't plan, you know, to only get gluten free items. Um, and those are also the pricier items as well. Um, we do have an online pantry now, our e-pantry, that is 100% choice. And, and keeping that stocked, you know, we have a full-time staff member dedicated to that program. Um, so, yes, yeah, sorry, my, my kind of long answer is, you know, trying to share information and also meet uh, cultural preferences and dietary preferences that oftentimes are, are healthier choices uh, as, as much as we can uh, in the space that we have and with the resources that we have. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll piggyback on some of the things that Helen said here at the River Food Pantry. So for the first time ever um, in this year's budget, we've included money um, to purchase fresh produce. So, you know, we were we were really blessed with a with a beautiful grant last year where we were able to offer all kinds of fresh produce. So um, we were hearing from families that you know, maybe some of these items they had never had access to before. They never tried them before um, on our mobile meal program, uh, taking uh, different items out for children to try that have had, had never tried. A, you know, we have a what we call a blueberry story, so that they never tried a blueberry. Um, you know, we had handed out. You know, that day I was there uh, when we did blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, or uh, blackberries, and um, just really being able to expose families and kids to um, things that they've not had before, and then hearing the stories um, from from families about. These are things that they're not purchasing um, at the store because they're the most expensive, right? But they're they're the most healthy, and it's easier to grab um, the things that are that are cheap even at the at the gas station, right? 
we're finding around here in Madison that at the gas station, there's not even many of them, not even bananas or, or oranges or apples. And so they only have the choice of grabbing a candy bar or a soda or, or the or the chips. So um, really, we appreciate any type of fresh produce that we could be handing out. Um, Helen mentioned that we do have the curbside option. That is one thing, though, that we do have our, our clients still shop with their eyes. They get to look to see. Uh, they may not know what the name of something is, but uh, they may either get to try that for the first time or they've had it before and just haven't been able to purchase it on their own. But really having that whole healthy, fresh produce is, is super important. And, and again, it's, it's, it's expensive for our clients. It's, it's expensive for us as well. But we feel that that's just really focusing on healthy is really important. I think the biggest problem that we faced was since we just got a food pantry and we feed every day, uh, once the pandemic started, we had to figure out a way within two days to start delivering food to people that couldn't come down here and get food to go. So we got together with our volunteer group and we started delivering groceries to people. So we started calling everybody, finding out their dietary needs, if they were gluten-free, if they were diabetic. And within four days, we started delivering every Wednesday a box of food that would last them for a week. And we started talking to them. Uh, we also worked with Feeding America, Great Chicago Food Depository. Uh, beginning in May, we'll be working with the Everson Farmers Market because one of the things that we try and do is serve people healthy food. We also have cooking classes that we can't do anymore. So we're thinking about doing something online. We have our own hoop house and our own community garden of which we grow stuff. It's a lot of herbs, kale, lettuce, green peppers, some hot peppers that gets used sometimes in, in some of the food that we serve, but about 60 to 70% of it goes straight to the community. One of the biggest things that we do is we have a network of volunteers that actually go out and talk to different stores, to different from everything from jewels to Whole Foods to Trader Joe's, and they work with them on getting us donations. We also work with somebody, an uh, organization called the Food Rescue Network. They're a group of kids whose sole purpose it is, is to work with non-for-profits, go around rescuing food. You give them criteria of what you need, whether it's dry goods, canned goods, meat, fruits and vegetables, and they will go around and once a week, they will work with and talk to different organizations about getting that for you. You might have that in your state. Uh, close to you, I don't know, but I know they're in every state. Uh, here they work out of uh, Loyola. Besides that, the biggest problem is not knowing. Uh, not knowing what's, what the price of something is going to be, not knowing if it's available. Uh, yeah, that's the biggest headache. That and talking to our patrons and hearing the fear and nervousness in their voices and having conversations with them because they really don't know if are you guys still gonna be here because we need you? And it's a lot of elderly, it's a lot of grandparents raising their grandkids. I've never seen it this bad as I have in the last three years and I've been doing this for 14 years. I just hope it gets better, quicker. Yeah, I'm shaking my head yes to everything you guys are saying because I think we all have some similar um, hurdles to try and navigate here. You know, with us, yeah, we're seeing an uptick in, in families coming in and shopping. I feel blessed because we are back to full choice and people being able to come in and shop. 
in our marketplace. Um, we did the box distribution for almost two years and it was a lot of work. I'm glad to not have to do that every day now, but um, you know, one of the blessings, I guess, from the pandemic was Fisher Jordan being a partner with you guys through our, I like to call it our Adopt-A-Shelf program where people, families, organizations can just adopt a shelf, kind of like adopt a road and help keep certain shelves full in our marketplace. And Fisher Jordan, you know, helps us with um, produce. And um, it's amazing to have the produce selection that we have here. I, I've noticed, um, you know, our families, I have stories that I tell all the time with little kids helping their family shop and, and picking out tomatoes or, you know, seeing strawberries or blueberries or whatever it may be that we have. Just the interaction that our families get, it, it's amazing. You know, however, with the growing need and obviously the prices of everything, we're trying to figure out how to maintain that multitude of choices that we have. One of the things that we're starting to have to do now is some of the items that we do get or purchase, we're starting to have to ration a little bit. So maybe if we have pineapples, we give out just one pineapple a day or, or, or one pineapple per family. But we're trying to figure those out, working with different organizations, trying to do more Adopt-A-Shelf. Uh, we've been fortunate with grants, like a couple of you have said. We've just been doing the best that we can to help try and meet that increasing need. Some pretty interesting points, everyone. Actually, one thing I, I heard in common here was, um, firstly, it sounds like produce is kind of a major priority across the board, which um, I personally agree with, obviously big advocate of produce, both in terms of the health aspects, but also the availability. Rhonda, you made an interesting point about kind of the, the variation in what's available from week to week. How, how much of an issue is that? And I'd be curious to hear what, what's the impact of that on, on your constituents in terms of being able to know exactly what they're going to be getting each week? I, I will share that we're, um, you know, for for us to be able to be consistent in what we, in what we need or what we want, we're we're really looking at, you know, what what can be those things that our clients can come to um, know that we will have here consistently. So so Helen and I are kind of working that out that that families may we may not be able to have the variety that we that we had when we when we had the grant, but what are those staples? that the clients can come to know that if they're coming to the river, no matter what program that they're gonna get them. So, you know, we're looking at, again, some of those staples might be onions and tomatoes, uh, potatoes, um, lettuce. Um, you know, in the past, to your point, Mike, I think it was about the pineapple. So yes, it would, it'd be great to have those, which we don't have those all the time, but consistency, I think, is, is key for them that um, no matter, is it delivery, is it, is it the mobile lunch program? Whatever it is, they, they know that the river, that they can count on those items uh, coming from us. So consistency is key. We're not quite there yet, but we we're trying to trying, trying to kind of navigate that and work that out. We also um, are a Feeding America partner. So we work with Second Harvest um, here locally. And so we are their first redistribution organization. So we are blessed in that we are able to pick up from retailers. So again, um, similar to the rest of you is that it's uh, we don't know what we're going to get you know one day it might be a truckload the other time it might you know we might have our driver coming back with with half of the items 
and it might be some produce, it might be no produce, it might be meat and it might be no meat. So, you know, we're just really at the mercy of the retailer and whatever that they want to provide to us. Is everyone else seeing seeing kind of a similar dynamic in terms of the, the consistency level and, and the client demands for that? Uh, yeah, uh, like with things like onions or potatoes, tomatoes. So what we did, since we know that we couldn't be consistent with it, the thing we started writing out recipes for the things that we were getting, like uh, uh, butternut squash, zucchini, and trying to introduce them to that, um, along with with fresh herbs, how to cook it in a healthy way, because some people had never even tasted it before. Uh, the farmers market starts, and one of the things that we will be getting a, a lot of right off our tomatoes. So you have to teach people how to store them properly uh, so they can't keep them longer, uh, how to use them to make salts with. So supplying them with recipes, we learned that that helped. But introducing them uh, them, of ways of cooking things that they had never seen before also helps. Because if you brought them their horizon, that helps them get fresh, wholesome food in. But consistency, that's difficult now. Dry goods, that's, it's a little bit different, but with fresh vegetables and fruit, pineapples, we didn't see that for a long time. I almost forgot what a pineapple looked like for a while, <laughs> you know, because we were just serving canned stuff. It's very similar in my world uh, as well. That's what I mentioned earlier about the unpredictability. But, um, you know, it's it's sort of a both, both and. We, we have gone through some months where we are just giving carrots and potatoes out the wazoo for two months. And we that's all we get or a couple of other things. Pre-COVID from our food bank, we would get about eight or nine different kinds of produce items every single week, evenly split between fruits and veggies. And now, as you know, Boaz, I ask you all about every couple of times a month to at least buy us one more fruit because we may just be in, offered one fruit from the food bank and we'll buy one ourselves. And then I asked for a partner to buy another one so that at least we can have three fruits for everybody. And we do round that out with our grocery store pickups. So sometimes it's, it's an overabundance of some things for too long. And I don't want to say we don't want it and they're not great grateful for it, but we would like more variety. So it's just been very inconsistent. And I'll, I'll tag along to what Helen mentioned earlier. We have a hybrid model too. We're not going to go back to our full 100% choice inside model because of various reasons. One reason is because the people actually love it. And for people who are seniors that can't get around a lot, they actually love more of the drive through. But those are all great arguments and good conversations to have. I will say where, where the hybrid model is helping us is we get to turn things more quickly like eggplant. If we were to offer it at a choice, people would not give it, even though we offer recipes and notes for it. So, for instance, about two months ago, we had eggplant. We wondered what we were going to do with it all. And we, of course, gave it out with our informational packet about how to use eggplant well and how to cook it. And I had many people come back to say, thanks for thanks for the note of how to the nutritional information, because I wouldn't have picked it up if I had come inside, even if you were offering the notes inside, but the fact that it was in my bag and you had notes in there, we tried it and surprisingly we liked it. So, you know, that, that was a good, that, so there is a good side to our hybrid model of not offering the hundred percent choice. We can sort of force things on people. (laughs) 
It's really interesting to hear that pre-COVID, you had more um, access to produce, fresh produce from your, your food bank. Um, here, pre-COVID, we, we didn't have fresh produce often from our food bank, but now we have a much more consistent supply. Not, you know, not all the time, but we typically get two deliveries a week from our food bank. And there's actually funding now to support um, local Wisconsin farmers as well um, that works with our food bank. And so I believe that I'm not sure if it was federal or state funding um, that went to our county. So we actually have more access to we've access to more fresh produce now than prior to COVID. Um, and I, you know, I, I really hope that that continues, you know, when, when the pandemic ends. This feels like a good time to pivot briefly and talk about uh, any lingering um, problem areas or, or places where, as, as we've just heard, like you've, you've kind of discovered something that worked better than you maybe expected, like from the COVID era that again, we're, we're kind of in this weird space where things are improving, but we're not completely through this yet. So does anybody have anything that they are, are currently like really struggling with or something uh, like what you shared, Colonial Heights folks, that you've found has worked really well uh, in, in this season? Similar to Colonial Heights, um, we have put together bags that are perishable bags. So they could have anything in there from cheese to sour cream. A lot of that is from food recovery, um, just all kinds of miscellaneous, maybe um, a, a prepared meal, um, a sandwich. And um, I think this might also go along with, you know, where are you, what, what are you hearing? And I, I do have a client advisory council um, that I have uh, meet with them via Zoom once a month. And I met with them again last week. And I asked them about those bags. I said, you know, it's a it's, it's kind of a hodgepodge of what's put in the bag. And I, I said, you know, the, the couple times that I put together the bags, you know, I'm I'm trying to put things in there intentionally and and really wondering, you know, what the receiver is is thinking when they when they open the bag. Are, are they happy? Are they are they cussing me out saying I, I didn't want that item or I didn't like that item? And you know what? I really was surprised that um they said they loved they loved the bags. Um, they didn't know what they were going to get, but for our pantry, they can check that I want a perishable bag. And they said it is it's a surprise to them. And so maybe they they hadn't had plans for for purchasing sour cream, but they they received sour cream in their bag. And so now they're going to do something with that sour cream. And um, but I said you know it, it's but it's it's again it's unpredictable what's in that bag. But they said that's what's the fun of it is that we might not have picked those items ourselves, but you picked them for us. And which was which was really surprising because again, we've been client choice here since 2006. So that's felt like a step backwards with, with COVID and kind of the limitations. But, um, you know, I asked, so, I mean, do you want us to continue that? Yes, we love for you to continue that. We, we like that, that, you know, it's a surprise bag. Um, and so, Again, just 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 learnings, you know, for us also is, uh, you know, we, we can't in this building. So you're all invited to come up here to, to, to Madison to see what our what our pantry looks like. But we hope to be launching a capital campaign maybe within the next um, nine to 12 months. But we're in a space that we're it, it's, it's not efficient anymore. And just the amount of food that's coming through here. But um we, we can't let clients back in here. And again, using my client advisory group, I've asked them about that. 
And they said, you know, even if we could come in, we don't want to come in um, because we, we, you've given us good choices. Many of them are very healthy choices, similar to, again, what Colonial Heights Food Pantry mentioned, is that um, it, it's things maybe that we haven't tried before, but we're trying them now and we're being exposed to different things. And so we like this. And, and again, I think maybe that could even be a topic for us sometime is really talking about um, what we would and wouldn't go back to um uh now you know what we've learned with with covid and and for me that was a great big learning is the, the surprise in in the bags that that they're not picking but we're picking for them this is liz again i i believe we experienced this very similar um rhonda where we did a lot of self-shopping um not only for all of the clients with the food boxes what we did is we up that to two food boxes per month versus the one that they had previously received. But with those food boxes, they also received the bag of fresh produce. They received the dairy bag that had the mixed sandwiches and um, you know anything dairy that we had coming in that particular week. And um, they also received their bakery goods bag. And so it was a surprise. And I think that lifted a lot of our clients' uh, spirits. And we heard a lot of positive comments and feedback as they would drive up curbside for us to load those items and tell us what they experienced with their last pickup as well. And the kids were always excited too. Um, in addition to uh, what they receive in the food boxes, we would always check their client record and if they had a birthday in the household, we'd send home these birthday bags that the local uh, Women's Federation put together during COVID. And that helped, uh, you know, just keep the family in more of a positive mode, ha having to experience all of this. Um, we partnered with a, a group in Clark County. It was called Human Resources Council. They are networking with local um, mobility partners that could drive the food boxes to those that are shut in throughout the county. Um, there were seniors, um, are, are disabled, and in some cases drop off for some of our homeless camps that didn't have transportation as well. So we would partner with those entities to get the food to, distributed to those areas as well. And we got a lot of positive feedback from that. Um, those were through grants that the county wrote. And I hope that continues um, because it, it turned out to be a very positive partnership um, to reach many of those clients that previously we really weren't hitting as well. I think there were a lot of clients that were relying on either neighbors or friends to come and pick up um, their food boxes and then whatever they needed uh, sporadically. We're in a, a what sounds like a very similar situation, Rhonda, here. Our facility is only 1,600 square feet. So during COVID and the curbside delivery, uh, putting together the boxes and keeping our volunteers safe, as well as our clients safe, was a kind of a tightrope act on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, it's kind of raised the awareness of our board that we need to shift into a higher gear to get that campaign, uh, facilities campaign, um, really moving 
forward. We've raised um, some funds, but we're not uh, nearly close enough. So we've got a lot of road to cover before we get to that kickoff. But um, we just went through our strategic planning process and, and tried to set those goals uh, for going forward, how we're going to really get to um, all of those areas that, that came to light during COVID. Interior safety for all of our volunteers, you know, continues to be um, high on my mind because we've got groups of 10 to 12 volunteers, the majority of which are seniors, um, helping us keep the program going each day. So there's all these different variables that you want to keep um, these individuals safe as well as our clients safe while they stay in their vehicle and move through the traffic for curbside delivery too. Um, we're doing more of the self-shopping for our clients that have um, dietary restrictions. Uh, the majority of those um, come in through phone calls and we have their um, particular uh, menu list incorporated into their client record. So whoever takes that call can put usually put those food um, bags together for that client. But shopping for those uh, particular, not only the gluten-free, um, the diabetic foods, but we're also um, transitioning into more of the culturally related um, foods as we get more and more immigrants into the area um, and trying to target where we shop for those types of foods that they're asking for and keeping some supply on hand and uh, you know rearranging the shelving so that we've got all of those different areas marked clearly when we're putting those food boxes together covid you know probably opened up our eyes to a lot of different things um, in how we operate and um, how we be make everything a little more accessible to all of our clients so it's been you know, educational for all of us in terms of being able to flip on a dime and deal with all of those day-to-day -day, uh, curves that were thrown and um, still keep the team, you know, fairly upbeat and focused on doing what we do each day. And that's really giving people hope and giving people um, healthy, nutritious food and a sense of knowing that there's, um, you know, a, a a sense of community when they come to pick up that food box. Just on a couple of things that I think that have been working really good for us. Um, one has been the relationship we established with a um, produce wholesaler. I think Diva and Boaz know the organization we work with, but they really um, treat us well and we have access to a lot of wonderful produce at a pretty good price. Um, I had mentioned pineapple earlier. They gave us um, but they, it was a pink pineapple from Costa Rica and they gave them to us cheaper than a regular pineapple because grocery stores don't typically sell them. So the distributor wanted to get rid of them quickly. So he offered them to us at a ridiculously cheap price. Um, the other thing that's been working well has been, you had mentioned Helen, the um, grant that you can get through the county for locally produced um, farm products, whether it be for us in Colorado, we've got those grants that you can do produce or meat or anything that's grown in Colorado. And we've found that for meat, 
that has been just a win-win situation for everybody. You know, meat's hard to come by, it's extremely expensive, and we're supporting our local farmers. Um, so we've been using a lot of that grant money for those. Um, we also have some refugees that were relocated to Broomfield from Afghanistan, and they had requested some halal meat, and one of our local farmers was able to produce halal meat for sale, and we were able to purchase that for our refugee families, and I thought that was a huge success. I mean, they, the gratitude was just amazing because everything here is new, and they're not sure where to go and where to turn, and to be able to offer the halal meat and then the produce and everything else that we had, um, you know, put some smiles on their faces, which was pretty amazing. I'd like to throw out at least one challenge area that we are facing big time here. And um, it's a result directly of uh, COVID and what's happened. We're in an area that's called the Tri-Cities area. And pre-COVID, it shared two homeless shelters, which closed during COVID. And they haven't opened back up. So uh, with, I think, CARES money and other government funding money, organizations are being asked to put people up in hotels and they are coming to us in droves well the hotel is good for one thing and that's the lodging so they have they they have a bed where the hotel can't help them at all as the shelter did is provide them with any meals or any food so that is taxing us extremely because all hotels are equipped differently with how what size refrigerator they may or may not have if they have a kitchenette, if they have any cooking appliances other than a microwave. And so we are having to almost manage that case by case for people who come in, depending on what hotel they're living in. And we've extended our services to help anybody in a hotel. I can't imagine my family or anybody else's family having to resort to that. But, you know, pre-COVID, during the first part of COVID, there was this moratorium on evictions. Uh, which I think helped people stay in their homes and none of the land, none of the homeowners or none of the landlord said, hey, your time has come. But now that that is lifted, that's when we, about eight months ago, we just started seeing them drastically. So that's put a burden on us as to having the right kind of food. Some can't have fresh things. Uh, some need all shelf stable things, but some can, can use uh, fresh meats if they have, uh, say, if they have a refrigerators that can keep it safe and then cooking equipment that can cook it correctly. So that's been one really hard development for us just over the last six or eight months that we are still adapting to and trying to figure out the best way to move forward because we need so many different foods accessible at different times for these uh, families in, in need in hotels. And then um, I will throw out one positive thing that we have partnered with, and that's maybe somebody said, I'm not sure if this was what Portland was saying or not, but we partner with our senior center locally that gets AAA funding, you know, Agency for Aging through that channel of funding. So they now deliver uh, to a good many of our seniors who can't get here. Uh, they used to bring them here to shop. But now we have one day a week that we bag bag and box all of their things, even the refrigerated items, uh, the meats, the milk, milk and eggs. Um, they all get the same things and uh, they deliver for us. So that's a good partnership that has developed. Thanks for sharing that, Warren. This is all really good stuff, everybody. I really appreciate everybody's transparency. 
Um, real quick, does anybody have uh, a response to that challenge that uh, Warren said they're facing right now? Have you guys faced anything similar and found a solution for it? And I also just want to kind of leave this as an open spot for everybody to kind of respond to or ask questions about uh, any of the things that everybody's brought up um, really just throughout this entire duration here. I do have one final question to close us out with as we come up on time here. But uh, I'll, I'll just leave that space open for for questions or responses to anything, um, starting with uh, that particular challenge area that Warren said. But anything that you guys might want to contribute there? Uh, yeah, we we had some of the same struggles, uh, and I'm not sure. Uh, part of the CARES funding that came through Colorado obviously went to house people in hotels, um, the same as you guys. But we also we're able to tap in through the state and get a lot of CARES funding for food purchasing. I'm not sure if you guys have any available state funding in Virginia to check into, but we got a pretty significant amount to purchase some food um, through the, the emergency funds that the state here had that didn't get spent in the first year of COVID. So if you want to check that, I don't know. And Warren, yes, we've we've definitely noticed um, an increase over the pandemic of households that we're serving who we know are living in hotels. One way that we try and just be ready, you know, whenever there's an emergency, actually during this call, a volunteer came and picked up for two households who were recently replaced in a hotel. Um, and so we we make emergency boxes um, and it's, it's meant you know, it's a couple of days worth of shelf stable food and then we include bread and, you know, pastries and shelf stable produce. Um, one, you know, especially that we're talking about nutritious food, one a barrier with that is it's, you know, pop top items that are shelf stable oftentimes are highly processed, very high in sodium, very low in nutritional content. We're still providing food, but the most nutritious food we have is hard to prepare and enjoy in a hotel room. Yeah, one of the things that we did, uh, they weren't going into hotels, they were going to uh, SROs, single room occupancy. Uh, we had the same problem that Helen had. But what we would also do is give them a list of organizations that were in their neighborhood that fed daily, that had access to fresh fruit, fresh produce, and to hot meals on a daily basis. That could actually, uh, uh, if they had diabetes or they were gluten free, we found that that to be the biggest help um, is to supply them with the information to do what we could and to find out what zone they were in and then to give them all of the resources in that neighborhood with the name of a contact person. Uh, and that was the best thing that we found out to help the people, especially people with children. Yeah, all these comments help. I've, I've, uh, I've secured state money, uh, wondering if there's more out there. We, we provide them with... Um, but again, most um, meal sites have closed and hadn't reopened. So that's a, you know, we used to have several churches that would do daily or weekend meals. Um, so it's just really, those haven't opened back up. So it's really stretching our community and the need for uh, access. And then I'm plagued with the same thing. We, we have ready-made shelf-stable bags. Here's an emergency. It'll get you for three days and let me piece together if you can handle some meat, here's some that, and here's some fresh produce. And we, you know, we do handle that the best we can, 
but but of course it's not quite as healthy as what we would want to give to all of our clients and then who do come to distribution uh, that they get the array of all of what we offer. So those are just some struggle points that are still plaguing us. Uh, people say that the pandemic's over and part of it is, but boy, the need here is just terrible. Um, and somebody mentioned at the first of the, at the first of our talk, the first time families who come to us are escalating uh, incredibly. I used to write grants saying that I hope that we can reach 75 to 100 new families a year. And last year I wrote the same thing and I undershot by 100%. We fed 200 to 225 new families. And for us in this small community, that is huge. So the fact that 200 new families relied upon us in a year was just startling. Well, I want to thank you all for your time. Uh, we had a, about an hour budgeted here, mm -hmm. um, which uh, I I certainly recognize that this this conversation to some extent is only just beginning. Um, really, to close us out, I just want to ask. Uh, I have, and we've got all of your your websites linked through our our partner page at Fisher Jordan. Um, so you don't have to like tell us where to go online to to find you guys, but I will be linking that. Uh, in the episode notes, but I do want to ask if, and you guys are all spread out around the country, which is great. If there's anybody who's listening, who wants to get involved with some of what you're doing, where do you need the most help for somebody who, who wants to, to get involved? Is it financial personnel? What would you say to that? Um, well, yes, at, at the river here in Madison, Wisconsin, we will take any type of support people have available um, Two two big ones. Um, you know, at being being specific are is uh, financial donations, just because, you know, that I can buy in bulk. Um, money can go a lot farther and also volunteering, um, you know, so sharing your time and energy and uh, positive attitude here with um, us staff and the folks that we get to serve. Um, those are two huge ways that we we continue to be able to serve our community. Yeah, that would be the same too for me also. Uh financial and volunteers with automobiles that can help out with the delivery because uh that's going up by about 100 200 percent and we're projecting it's going to get worse over the next 12 months i think financial aid is is co a common thread for all of us it goes so much further um, with what we can do dollar for dollar in our purchases and in turn uh turn that product around to the clients that we're serving. Um, other uh, areas that haven't been mentioned, um, professional grant writers that want to volunteer their services would be highly welcome. Um, it takes, I know in our case, there's just two of us on staff. So um, my time to write a grant is usually nights and weekends. And being able to really put a, a well thought out and a cohesive grant, you know, we, we would welcome that type of input and uh, the professional expertise that that individual could bring. For Broomfield Fish, I think I would agree financial support is probably our number one need. Um, maybe um, some more corporate engagement if anybody knows corporations looking to help out organizations here. Yeah, we've definitely been blessed with Fisher Jordan stepping in. Thank you. 
Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, I totally agree with her. Thank you for everything that you've been doing for us. Uh, I, I wanted to actually just chime in and, and um, kind of put a word out. Uh, we have representatives here from five amazing organizations. We've worked with you all uh, for some time now, and we're very familiar with the, the details of everything that you guys do to help your communities. And uh, as Nathan said, we're going to be posting links to every single organization on the podcast episode notes and strongly encourage uh, the listeners to, to kind of reach out and see how they can get involved. My name is Nathan Johnson, and this podcast is produced in-house for Fisher Jordan, a New York-based strategy consulting, thought leadership, and outsourcing firm, providing decision makers in financial services and healthcare with clear strategies backed by analytics and enabled by tailored technology solutions. As a reminder, you can always find and subscribe to Views from the Crow's Nest on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and more. And of course, you can always access it directly via podcast.fisherjordan.com. Finally, if you have any comments or questions on today's episode, feel free to send us an email, engage at fisherjordan.com, and we will see you from the Crow's Nest.